Good morning. Welcome to the Northland Sports Page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. Happy Saturday, everybody. Welcome to the maiden voyage for 2024. Hope everybody's safe out there. It was certainly an icy Friday, to say the least. Sounds like it's going to be an icy weekend, except for maybe Sunday. And by then, the Vikes season should be over, but we'll icy. see. On ice, Brian. It yes. should be on ice. Put it on ice and not in a good way. Not like champagne on ice. Right. Nope. Nothing like champagne on ice. On uh, As a matter of fact, Brian, it's bad stuff on ice. And I don't know what we, I mean, we're on the radio, so we can't, we can't say some That's of those not bad so things, bad. But, right. Yeah. The FCC, we hope, is listening. They or do let me be. Right. Nobody does. Nobody does. I never leave you alone. Nope. We're always together. <laughs> At least every like Saturday that. from 10 a.m. to noon. Thanks to our great sponsors. Let's give them love right away. Let's start with Arola Architecture Studio because, you know, Brian, if we're going to start this show, it really should be with the sponsor that helps start us, right? So Arola Architecture Studio for all your architectural needs. Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings. Krauss Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer. Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza. The Blackwoods Group, including their locations on London Road, in Proctor, in Two Harbors, Blackwater, and Tavern on the Hill. Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resort, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, Comfort Systems, and Mike Regan at Christensen Group Insurance. Absolutely. So, so very happy for all of our sponsors once again. They've helped us plod through the good, bad, and the ugly, and that's not just the conditions outside here this weekend, but that's kind of Minnesota sports in a nutshell. There's the good, there's the bad, and there's the ugly, and it varies from level to level. But whenever I reflect on it, we tend to have a good time. Yeah. And I reflect on our sponsors, and I do so with a smile. Actually, we go to all, we, we utilize do. almost all of them. Absolutely. And when we do that, we always have a good time. Exactly. So the key word in my last two phrases was reflect, because for two hours today, that's basically all we're going to do. And that's kind of different for us, not to attack the current state of things too much, but reflect on the year that was, yeah. 23 to a open of, 24. Yeah, a lot of the positive stuff we're going to get a chance to talk about, we've, we've kind of ranked them, Brian. We did mix some positive in there. I'm proud of us for and, doing that. And it's really a cool list. Like, there's really some positive stuff that happened this year. And, you know, if you're sitting around thinking about it, number one's pretty easy. Right. Uh, but the rest the of them two is kind of fun. It's pretty much related. Those are pretty well entwined. Yeah. But the, they're, they're all pretty fun. There's all really good stories in there, and some of them are local and some of them are national, and right. they all impacted Duluth somehow. So what we've done in prior years, and this year is no exception, is not exactly David Letterman style, but we've put together a top 10 list basically ranking Would that mean our the, 10 most impactful stories old piano player guy. of the year, 2023. You're thinking of Paul Schaefer? That's it. That yep. would make you that, yeah. <laughs> if we could change your eyeglasses to shades, that would work. Although in what universe am I David Letterman at all? I do have a little bit of a beard now, but not to his level. Yeah, You're more his level like that way. David Letterman. Yeah. Or I, look, I look more like Paul Schaefer, short guy who's balding, <laughs> just not enough. But again, our top 10 list is different. And it's different in the sense that I use the word impactful because we've said this a million times on this show that top stories aren't always positive. Now, you did say there's plenty of it in there, yep. but this is Minnesota sports. So we mix the pros in there. We got prep and college. Prep and college, you and I are pretty sing-songy. Pro, if you're sing-songy, you're not honest. Right. And and you're, yeah, you're missing it. And, and, but there's, you know, the negative stuff. I mean, it's kind of real negative, so. Yeah, for this thing. So let's get, should we get it started? Absolutely. Let's get it started. Well, the biggest difficulty is recapping the entire year because when you and I were putting this together, what, a couple weeks ago in preparation, although we waited on purpose, we thought, you know, if a bomb drops on December 31st, yep. we're going to want to include it. And we will because the bomb that dropped was the Vikings performing against the Packers. But we gave 2023 right down to its last minute. But as we were putting this together, it was harder to go back far enough because we did a heck of a job remembering what August through December. And I said, wait a minute, there were eight months before that. So we started with still something that kind of negates January and February, but our biggest highlight each year is prep hockey playoffs, state hockey, what have you. And Hermantown, that might've been 10 straight or more, but they check in at number 10. They do. Uh, and it's not just Hermantown boys this time. We decided to do Hermantown hockey, including the Proctor Hermantown Mirage. Mirage. Yeah. Because, they just they become staples at the state tournament. Well, in a, in a way, they're a victim of the own expectations. Absolutely, right? they are. because they went back to the state tournament. They did very well, both men and women. You know, it wasn't perfect, right? But they got there. They did. Right. They did everything to make third our, place and a fourth place, guys and our, the gals. Our region is proud, very right? much so. And so, both of them going down again, showing the strength of that community. And in the in the Mirage case, both communities. 
um, really is a story because they're they're changing players, right? I mean, it's right. high school; they're not the same guys. Hermantown didn't have the same incredibly. The beat loaded. goes on, yeah, and yet Pat Andrews and his crew just keeps it happening, right? Emma and her crew just keeps it happening, right? They reload, right? And and this was, in my opinion, last year for Pat's team is the first time we've really seen them have to reload. Right? Yeah, like really. Well, they reload. had to work to get to the state tournament. Yes, where it used to be, we'll just you know book the hotels now, and yep. we'll see you in March, and then you'll start playing games that matter. They had a test to get there; they passed it absolutely. And and Rockridge and Hibbing gave those tests. His teams usually do. Right. Pat's Pat's a teacher, and you can see his kids are well prepared for the test. No question. So again, you talk about victim of expectations. I think even we are guilty of that because we just said the state tournament for us as broadcasters is a big time highlight in this area. We know it is. How does it check in at number 10? But that's what happens when it just becomes, well, lather, rinse, repeat. And to their credit, that's what the Hermantown Hawks and the Proctor Hermantown Mirage, that's what they do. Yep. And and the expectation of greatness that comes out of that school and then the expectation of greatness that comes from the women's program is, you know, cool. It's deserved, right? It's not like we're going around trumpeting something that's not there. Right. Like they 100% deserve it, and they deserve to be ranked in the top 10 this year. Well, and let me give you kind of a strange perspective, but I think it's one worth taking in because Hermantown and Proctor Hermantown, respectively, may not want to hear this, but I appreciate what they've done for the sports, respectively, boys when it comes to the Hawks and girls when it comes to the Mirage, because they've become such a staple, such a gold standard that other teams in the area have felt it necessary to elevate their game, to even hold a candle to these teams, because... I know we're talking about last year as in the year that was 2023, but obviously hockey started again for this season, 23-24 with a fiscal yep, year, yep. some of it being in 23. Well, look at what the Hermantown boys have forced Proctor to do. They forced some teams to abandon Class A. Denfeld has, you know, left the building, so to speak. Cloquet's come down. We're getting some interesting battles, and we know that Hermantown's responsible for that. Then on the girls' side, it may not get better than your club, Marshall, right now. Yeah. And you know that even though Marshall's that good, they're measuring themselves against the Mirage. That is the measuring stick, 100%. And again, Emma's earned that, right? Her teams have earned that. The way they the way they get up for games, the way they play. You said something interesting about the Hermantown uh, men's team earlier today. And that is that they play close games here, and they seem to do real well away from here, right? And you wonder... That's this season, yeah. That's this year, right? Right. You you wonder if that's not what you just said. Other teams are having to up their game right. to be competitive. They're constantly targeted. Yeah, and and look what AJ did the other day from Proctor playing a Hermantown game that we we had a chance to do. Right, like he has to play two and a half periods of a great broadcast. And and he, you know, right, well, well, that's a whole different. Yes, story. yes, it is but one for another time. The um, you know, the Proctor team has to play to a level because AJ's keeping them in the game, right? And they did against Hermantown, and and so I think we're starting to see. The impact that Hermantown has not only on their own team, yep. but on all the other teams. in That's area. exactly what I mean. But again, when you think back to last season, because again, yeah, yeah. the uh, penultimate, if you will, was in 2023. Yep. Hermantown gets third place. They beat Orono on a, on a Saturday morning that, again, the weather was not unlike this, where, you know, white knuckling around town, you and I made it back. <laughs> Every time we slowed down, the snow caught up with us. Absolutely. And everybody that flew by us, we eventually passed in the ditch when we got home. But that's a different Absolutely. story altogether yeah. as well. But again, Hermantown... I thought the third place game victory was indicative of what Pat Andrews brings to that program because they somewhat breezed through the quarterfinal. The semifinal, they lose a heartbreaker to eventual champion Matamidi. And Hermantown, we talk about expectations at nauseum for good reason. They could have very easily said, well, we'll play it because it's on the schedule. We yep. have to. See you next year. But we yep. didn't get our ultimate goal. So whatever happens in this game happens. I know how tired we were by that third game in you know, a handful of days because Class A gets the day off. But Pat Andrews' team came out and did what they do. They ended the season with a W. That's important. Yeah, it is. And and again, what more can we say about Pat Andrews, the leader, right? His whole coaching staff, they have their kids not just ready, but they're they're prepared. Does that make sense? There's a difference there. Right. You know, prepared means you're more than just there. You know, you're more than just ready for the minute. Right, you you know you're good because you've done this work ahead of time. You've talked about it. You've focused on it. You've visualized it. And then when you're there, it's not so spooky, right? His kids are always prepared. Absolutely. So again, congratulations to Hermantown and Proctor Hermantown Hockey for checking in at number ten for the most impactful stories of 2023. And we'll see. I think you're going to be challenged both of those teams 
to make those same memories in 24. But that's a group that's up to the challenge. Yeah, really put that out there. You just gave both say, of we them. gave them both bulletin yep. board material. Emma and Pat now have bulletin board material. And two coaches that didn't need it, but we'll take it Correct. wholeheartedly. Correct. So the interesting part, though, especially with Pat Andrews, is he's got some kids on his team that play some other sports in the fall. In particular, I made a comment on Tuesday's broadcast that one of the more greedy forwards for Pat Andrews this year is Bodie Medill. Bodie Medill is the kicker on the Hermantown football team. Now, usually in high school football, you think, that's ah, a kicker. I haven't seen an impact like that in some time. Well, that's because a lot of teams don't have one or don't have a good one. The teams that do stick out. Duluth Denfeld had a heck of a season, too. You and I talked about how early in the season they had an injured kicker, got him back. That made a difference. Why am I bringing up Denfeld and Hermantown? Because they check in at number nine with their football rivalry. You could say it was renewed, but I think this is mostly new. Yes, because it is the, mostly new. the two games that they played in basically consecutive weeks. Now, Hermantown had to beat Rockridge to get to the rematch, and Hermantown won the rematch. But the two games that we had in what turned out to be about three weeks were the two best probably of the year, and they looked nothing like the other. No, nothing nothing alike at all. And, and this really starts where we talk about um, some of the things that surprised us a little bit too. Right. Because at no point did we think, you know, by the end of the year, Denfeld's going to be beating Hermantown and into the playoffs. Right. Right. And, and they, that's exactly what that's they did. exactly what they MEA did. week was memorable. Eric uh, Lofold has turned, then has started to really turn the boat that is Denfeld football into what we've always thought they should be. Just couldn't get away from a boat reference, could you? Nope. Somebody's nope. got to row it well. <laughs> yes. Spoiler alert, we'll talk about them a little later he, too. Uh, he, has, he has turned the program so now they can expect some success. And they have the running backs... They had the running backs this year to do exactly, play exactly the way they wanted to. And it shows what kind of uh, team that Hermantown has as well. They had talent, right? Yes. They didn't have the athletes who were talented like Denfeld's big three. Um, but a complete game, the first time you saw that electric talent of Tame Ann's, uh, basically he and the Moore boys beat uh, Hermantown kind of on their own. That's right. not fair. But, That's essentially you know, what happened. Uh, and then the second game, they sure tried to do it again. Well, and it was completely different where game one was a shootout. It was, you know, whoever has the ball last just might win this. Didn't turn out that way because I think Hermantown stalled out with, you know, 10 seconds left or whatever it was. But everybody expected after I think it was 31-29 in the regular season that, you know, we might see the same thing. And if you remember the day of that game, we had Zagelmeyer and Lofald on consecutively yep. on this show. And I told Eric Lofald, I said, you know, I think if anybody learned anything on film – that you might see a low-scoring game today for that playoff game. And Eric vehemently denied my assertion that that might happen. And then it did, and we've joked about it ever since. But that playoff game, I know you weren't able to be there that day, but that was one of those where, you know, I'm going to use the cliche, but cliches are cliches for a reason. It's one of those where if Hollywood looks at the script, they might have said, ah, too much. Because the big shot running back kind of gets shut down, but he's got partners, as you just talked about. Pick up more if you're Eric Lofald. Yep. Denfeld's got a late lead, and it looks like they just might salt this away. And then Hermantown gets the ball and starts to move, finally. Points have been at a premium. Well, Hermantown gets to about the five-yard line. They fumble a snap, and they fumble it back to their tailback, who picks it up and runs in the completely discombobulated play to give you the lead. Turned out to win it, but I say give you the lead because Denfeld starts to match on the last drive of the game thinks they picked up a first down on a scramble, clocks the ball on what turned out to be fourth and one, and loses. Yeah, right. You told me that about um, now are we going to give them fifth down. Right. But the improvement in the last three years for the Denfeld football team is, I mean, it's what makes it's football palpable, fun. to say it the is. least. It's, yeah. It's, the, it's something that's going super right in the West End. Right. And it'll be real interesting to see now next year when – you know, some of the players from Hermantown are gone. Some of the some of the top players, the wide receiver that's going to UMD, for Peyton instance. Menzel. Yep. Uh, and the Stenfeld team that'll still have mans, but I believe the more kids are graduating. And they'll have a new quarterback. And they'll have a new co- But we saw the new quarterback uh, in pregame. He can throw a little bit. Um, and well, and speaking of quarterback, Hermantown will still have theirs. Alex Schott is pretty darn guy. talented. He's a tough kid. He is. He? But uh, we'll get a chance to see if Eric Wolfald has changed a program, or if he just had a good family come through. 
right? That's what we're going to see. Right. So again, number nine is the rivalry that suddenly is Hermantown and Duluth Denfeld in football because, again, we're recapping 12 months, but in this case of number nine, all you had to do is basically recap three weeks. It was about as fun as it gets. Hermantown got the proverbial last laugh in this rivalry, but then, oh yeah, there's a North Branch Vikings team. At least some Vikings team did well this year. We have to and North watch. Branch we have to marched to the state tournament. Next year when they come up and play one of these teams, we have to do that game. Because everybody tells me how crazy well, North Branch is. I did the section final. I yeah, did I North Branch, Hermantown. Everybody yeah. tells me how off John the Carlson wall. John Carlson got all the fun in the postseason. You didn't. How off the wall North Branch's offense is. So I need to see it. Well, we talk about how teams take on their coach's personality. I think for North Branch, maybe they adopt their PA guy's personality. Because you know who it is? No. It's Josh Miron. Josh Miron, the Josh Miron I know. Yes. With the big Otherwise, beard, I wouldn't have brought it up. With the big beard on the uh, roadside. Absolutely. Um, Sign the that's big the one, billboard. the one and only. Got it, got it. Yes, I know, I know him. So he's, again, he's got energy. Denfeld and Hermantown. Thank you for the entertainment at number nine this year. The interesting part you mentioned, Denfeld had the big three running backs. Yeah, and I don't want to say that that's all they had, but that, that was the true. meat and the potatoes yeah. of that team. And everybody knew that that's what they wanted to do to beat you. And even though everybody knew, very few people actually stopped it. I wondered all along if. Hermantown, although lesser talented, if you will, had just enough of both dimensions to beat them, and that's what happened. Depth, 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 depth. Um, here's the one last thing that I want to say. Okay, if you're listening to us next fall, when you know the weather's starting to change a little bit and it's a Friday and you're bored, I want you to find a Duluth-Denfeld game, and I want you to go watch Tay Manns because he's the next college running back coming out of Duluth. I've and, got a quiz for you. Yes. If you tell people to find a Duluth-Denfeld game, and you have to tell them Don't the name me. of the stadium yep. that you have to go to, what would you say? The big one next to Denfeld <laughs> High School. <laughs> That's fair, because that could probably be another story altogether. If if the West End is making a top 10 of their own, I would think the Walt Hunting Stadium, Marv Heikinen Field, naming of PSS, is a big deal. Now, I tried to stick around with the artist formerly known as PSS for a while, but in the West End alone... That was huge. Yeah, and the crowd 100%. was huge that night, too. It, it was. It's so important to recognize the community, uh, especially in West Duluth. We're trying to get things put back together and make sure that they are um, at least seeing themselves as equal of everybody else, which is coming right now. Um, to have that, that's just another piece falling into place, another domino. Absolutely. So we're bumping out of the first segment with number nine, Hermantown Denfeld, that football rivalry. Hermantown got the last laugh, so we give you fly away as the bump out. But if we're going to talk high school football to kind of close this segment, I think we got to mention Koi Perich and what Esco did as well. Absolutely. Koi Perich has uh, stayed home, which is the important part to me, but Esco football has been so good over the last couple of years. He's a big reason why. But Koi is headed to the Gophers. I'm not being Koi when I tell you they may come up a little bit later in our top 10 countdown of 2023. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, happy Saturday morning. We're doing the top 10. Stick around. When we come back, we're going to do this two by two. If you count the number of segments, you're going to go, wait a minute, that doesn't add up. When we come back, we're going to do numbers eight and seven. Stick around. That song is called Winner. We hope you've got a winner back here on the Northland Sports page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. We are doing our top 10 stories of 2023 for our maiden voyage here in 2024. And a song called Winner. We just wanted Minnesota sports fans to be able to hear that because... Every once in a while they should, but too often they don't get to. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, Brian? And it's been a while, you know, since we had a team that jumped up and did something that nobody expected uh, and won the whole thing. And we're going to talk about a few more as today goes on. But this one is a little nearer and dearer to my heart, right? Yes. Um, I remember when St. Scholastica went into the Mayak and I was listening to Patrick As a Royce. school. Yes. Listening to my one of my favorite people listen to Patrick Royce and and he got all over the Mayak for including this dumb little school in Duluth that has no business, blah, 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 blah. You just described a lot of Pat Royce's tweets to me. When I see them, all I read is blah 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 blah. Right, right. Well last I'm old and angry, blah 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 blah. The Saint Scholastica men's hockey team just went out and won the Mayak. Uh not only did they win the Mayak. They won the Offensive Player of the Year. They had the Defensive Player of the Year. They had three guys in the top five of the uh, the first team, all Mayak team. They had guys in the second team, all Mayak team. They had the Coach of the Year. Um, They had one of the best offenses in college hockey. They're doing it again this year. They're the number one two-ranked team, number two-ranked team in the country. But last year, they made the step. They made the step to from going from just a team to a team that people had to respect 
and did it with a lot of local kids. Right. Um, we had a bu- we have a bunch of players from Duluth East. Uh, we had some kids from Grand Rapids, uh, and then a lot of people from Canada. And in fact, the Ledenkoffs are from the Ukraine. So we have uh, people from all over coming here. Our head coach is an alum, right? So it's all these pieces that come to make uh, a storybook year. So when you when you face teams that people have talked about here in Division Three, and you're facing St. John's, you're facing Bethel, and you're facing these teams that everybody says, well, you don't have any business being on the ice with them. And then all of a sudden, you're the number one team because you you won the season out. Um, it's really a cool thing for our community. And really, we didn't get there, – there really wasn't any attention paid to them until about three-quarters of the way through the season. Right. I'm glad you mentioned our community because it is so important for St. Scholastica in general because of that somewhat new still MIAC membership. And we've talked to a number of teams on this show about – you know, what does it mean? What does it take to compete in this particular conference and what's recruiting like? And, you know, Mike Efferton with football is still making his way there. Jason Schmitz with women's basketball. Dave Staniger has been with basketball, I feel like, as long as I've been alive. But, you know, still making his way in the MIAC. And, and somebody had to lead. And there were a couple different programs that you thought would be the prime candidates to do that. Saints baseball has always been pretty darn good. And men's hockey's been quietly good. But I only say quietly because of what else is in this community. Yep. Now, this is not a shot at UMD. Division one is division one. Yep. We all pay very close attention to it for good reason. They've got natties that are still pretty recent. UMD is a huge deal, and it's overshadowed St. Scholastica and to some extent UWS for years. But people haven't noticed because whatever was in the shadow wasn't doing as much. Mm-hmm. This year, St. Scholastica climbed right out, at least for a season. And they now did. maybe two when you mention what they've done this year. Yep, they they really did. And and. You were talking about recruiting, and one of the things that I always talk about Division Three, and we talk about it in juniors and, and minor league sports, is as if you can win and be local, you're going to draw. And the best way to get local talent is to win. And so the Those way, are conflicting yet related ideas. Yeah. The yeah. way Dave Williams is coaching right now, hopefully there's some kids that can play at a really high level that see that all of a sudden Mars Lakeview Arena is getting really close to getting real close to being filled. And that arena's nuts when it's filled. Well, and you want to talk about near and dear to your heart. I was going to go that route because I remember when there was, I think, the conference championship game. I wasn't there that night. Obviously, you were in a working capacity, and you sent me a picture. And I've never been a Saints hockey naysayer, but I've kind of been one of those folks that have said, hey, I'm glad they're good. I just hope people start to notice. And that night at that conference title game, you sent me a picture of the crowd and went, I think people are starting to notice, and they yeah, really did. Hanging from the rafters. Well, and exactly. I heard the PA guy's pretty good, so that's why he's, they get in there and go crazy. His, he's got his moments. Yeah, he, sure. he runs like me, but he runs his mouth pretty well. <laughs> he does run his mouth pretty well. Um, and that goes back to like my first, not my first year, but one of my first years when there was nobody in the building, and one of our guys took a penalty, and I announced it, and he took his helmet off, and he came over to me, and he goes, why don't you just move your butt up into this, up there, pointing to the stands, and just tell that guy what's going on. <laughs> there's nobody else here. You don't have to use a microphone, right? Hey, and we, so we've now been at Wade like Stadium that. enough times in bad weather that happens after yeah, the fourth inning. That's right. And so uh, to see to see a team from Scholastic after getting just blasted by Minneapolis media, uh, to see some a team really just jump up into a into a league that not just the league itself, but into a, a sport that they take a lot of pride in the Mayak and men's hockey, and just kind of steal it. Felt pretty darn good, Brian. <laughs> well, and that's the big thing, too, because there are sports, and plenty of them, that St. Scholastica succeeds in, even since moving to the Mayak. Yes. But just as I've called things on this show, the four major sports, we know the level of attention that gets paid to some versus another. No disrespect to soccer at St. Scholastica. It is awesome. Track and field. Cross country, they're producing all Sprinters. Americans. Yep. You know, all kinds of good things are happening at the College of St. Scholastica, and we know it because we're immersed in a lot of it. But if you are a casual, we like to use that word a lot on this show, if you are a casual and need your attention drawn into something, St. Scholastica men's hockey is starting to give you plenty of reasons to do that. They really are. And if you like offensive hockey, like if you like fire wagon. speed and fi- yeah, fire wagon ha- hockey, it's a place to come. Come watch a game the rest of this year, but we're celebrating last year when they when they went and jumped on the Mayak. Absolutely. So the Saints winning the Mayak in men's hockey, some would say for Dave Cook, that's like winning a Super Bowl or at least some kind of bowl because 
That checks in at number eight oh on our top it's, ten, but it segues beautifully because that's what I do here. Yes, yes. It segues beautifully into number seven. And we said on this top ten list, we're going to talk some positive, some negative, because we just have to be honest about what the sports world in Minnesota was like we are about to do in 2023. We're about to do both, I think, with this yes. topic. Because number seven is what, Dave Cook? Because this is, I feel like, we do a lot of segments and People can decide as they listen, like who really did the research or who did the nitty gritty work behind this segment. This one's basically yours. <laughs> We're going to talk about PJ. I'm going to contribute, but this one's basically if Dave Cook ran the show and I was not here, <laughs> what would we talk about? <laughs> the first topic of this segment was Saints hockey, and the second one's going to be go for football. Now, no disrespect. I like both of those programs plenty, and I've got family now affiliated with the go for football schedule, and it's a big deal to me. But this is the Northland sports page mapped out by Dave Cook. Yeah, right. Uh, the Gopher football team, and, and the reason it's on the list at this high is because of their most recent recruiting, right? The reason that... Right, there's a local tie-in. There absolutely is. And you it's know, not just a recruit. It's the top recruit that they landed. Correct. It, a, yes. And a kid that we got a chance, that we've seen him play a number of times, and with Coy choosing to stay home, to stay with the U, really takes... A team that you know it's it's Minnesota, so it's ours. But now it's closer to being ours, right? right. Because we have a guy, um, and he can be the next in line of great safeties. I think that's one thing that people don't if they don't follow the Gophers, they don't realize that it went from Winfield to Newbin, who's going to be a late first, early second round right. pick, and the next guy in that line is Coy Parrish. As I said weeks prior on this show, they may not produce as a team the way that we hope they do, but they produce individuals that will play the next day being that next level and safety is kind of the position that they're slowly writing the book on. Yep. Yep. Safety you, right? Yeah. That what they can, can we be that? Call it. But that, that gopher team has such an interesting season. Like at one point, Brian, they were the odds on favorite to win the West, right? Controlled their own destiny they, and did nothing with it. They did. They controlled everything. Everybody else had to do something to beat the gophers and they take the, they, they beat Iowa. Right, right. And that was it. In probably the ugliest game in Division One football this past season. That's probably true, um, but then they take the gas pipe against Wisconsin, right? They they just well, and they, the Purdue game prior to that, you could argue was worse. Yep, and uh, if I remember right, they, they what did they do with Northwestern, Brian? That was the one that almost had me jump ship in what the middle of September, yep. I think it was. So, that was one of the Big Ten early games for Minnesota when Northwestern was. Seemingly because of scandal in shambles. Now, give all the credit in the world to Northwestern for the way it ended up. They went to a bowl game and they won one. Sounds familiar. Minnesota did the same thing, but they weren't supposed to be on the level, those two programs. Gophers were supposed to aim much higher. They did, but they misfired. Speaking of misfired, I feel like, but I'm going to go to you on this because you know more about this football program than I do because, frankly, you care more about it, but I'm working on it. But the loss of the D coordinator. Yeah is felt because players are leaving, and I understand that piece. That part I didn't really think about because, again, the transfer portal, don't get me started on the many and things that are me ruining college sports landscape, if you will. So I didn't think of players vacating because they may like said coach or like other coaches because, hey, Ethan, good luck at Rutgers, but that's completely different. He's going to have some gopher lineage there too. But in my world, I just hear the D coordinators leaving, and I go, so that was a big problem this season. The Northwestern collapse, the Purdue game, the Wisconsin game. I get that the defense was probably this team's calling card because that's how bad the offense was to me. But the defensive coordinator leaving was met with a shoulder shrug for me. We'll see what it means next September. Yeah, Rossi's had a really good defense for a few years. And and to see this uh, kind of matriculate as, as it has is a problem. Um, PJ's got the offensive talent that he... He needs an offensive coordinator that he trusts. Let's be honest. His offense is two really good young running backs, a good offensive line. He's done a really nice job of building an offensive line and crossing your fingers. And so when we talked about this was going to be a positive and a negative, I mean, the positive is that they went to a bowl game and won it because of the academics. Well, and also because it was the 2000 Flushes Bowl. I mean, PJ has an incredible bowl record, but how many of those have been pertinent. I count one. I, I get that. But we've talked about PJ and the difference that he's made in the program. Right. 
Okay, the reason they even got to the bowl was something that they never would have been considered for ever. before. Yep. Right. They, it was that everybody was going to class and they were graduating and they were getting fantastic grades. And that's the million dollar question. And to me, there's no right or wrong answer to this because you can say, would you want a graduation rate at or near the bottom of your conference or even of Division One? But would you want to be playing Monday night instead of playing on December 26th in Detroit? Or would you want really good kids. And that's not really a question for you or I to answer. It might be something coaches should answer. It might be something ADs should answer. But again, I'm not sure there's a correct answer. No, I I agree with you. I think it also matters where your programs come from. Right. Like, I don't think Michigan, I think PJ's got away with that for a while now. How much longer? I I agree with that. I, I think at some point PJ needs to become more like Dabo Sweeney and just be the CEO of the team, do the recruiting do the hype and get two offense again offensive and defensive coordinator that you trust to do their job. Right. And that's that's the next that's got to be the next. So step. it's that PJ can't get out of his own way. It's that he yeah, I guess that's that's a good way of saying it. And and so this go for program adding really good players, adding really good local players. However, and playing in a fantastic stadium by the right. way, which we'll get to which later. Which we went to, yeah. Um and actually have a lot of intensity around the school like they're into it, right? This is stuff we never had 10 years ago. Yep. But the uh, he's made enough of an impact yet that pretty soon he's going to have to knock off Michigan, right? He's going to have to beat Iowa two years in a row. Well, and again, these divisions, the Big Ten West world is yeah. going to be I ending. Forget about that. Yes. So that's going to be a completely different world because otherwise you could look at the last small handful of seasons and say, this has been lather, rinse, repeat, where the Gophers have put themselves in a position to control their own destiny, fumbled it, literally and figuratively, but then done something that you go, well, PJ did this, so we're fine. Because this year, they beat Iowa. Hadn't done that ever Ever. in his tenure. Previous years, fumbled against Team X, Y, or Z, but pummeled Wisconsin, and hey, we can you know chuckle at everybody on the other side of the bridge. Or something went awry, like a Bowling Green game, but hey, we got to a bowl and they won again. They don't lose bowl games, but if you're paying attention to what bowl they're in, nobody cares. Yeah. So it's a, it's a program that is at one point stable. Right. Because stable can be a little over 500. Right. Right. And sometimes they reach and sometimes they fail a little bit. Well, and again, this season they make the bowl because of the academic stipulation and they win the bowl and they still don't have a 500 record. Correct. My, so, so at the end of the day, we have a program that we, we're going to know more about next year because of the local tie. People will be paying much more attention to right. it. Right. And we'll have dance team members on the show again. We'll have, I replace one niece will. with the other. We will. Did you see the video of them doing their, their dance routine when the music fell off? Oh, you think? That was. I've good. seen just about every video they have available. Anyways. Follow them on TikTok. It's fun. The uh, U of M dance team. This uh, this program's at a, at a bit of a crossroads. It's still being led by the right guy, I think. But you're right. There has to start being some movement now. Well, because the question continues to be, and whenever I bring this up, people go, well, you're the get off my lawn guy that doesn't like PJ. False. I like PJ just fine. I don't mind the shtick anymore because you just get used to it. I, it's also, you know, at this point, it's not a shtick, right? It's just the guy. Right. I, you know, I don't answer every question with the word elite, and maybe he wouldn't want me around because I don't do that. And I can eye yeah. roll it, but whatever. That, that's what he does. You just yeah. got to move on. Yeah. But I do say at some point, when does it stop becoming PJ is the best we've had in a long time and realize... That's not necessarily high praise anymore. That's an indictment on where we were. Yes. Leave that behind. I used the word elevate before. Hermantown Hockey did that to other programs. Minnesota needs to do that to itself. I think you're right about that, Brian. I think that in in my case where I was a Gopher fan, even when they were getting just destroyed, both on the field with like with uh, before Lou Holtz and then off the field with everybody seems like since Lou Holtz, um, to have some st- uh, stability off the field where you've got talented and good young men and developing right and then on the field where you've got a shot to beat teams every year it's hard to walk away from that past when it was so awful absolutely so we bump out with everyone's a winner because in this particular set they were checking in at number eight we had the saints class commands hockey team winning the Mayak, and at number seven yeah it was winning it was another bowl win for the gophers they do own the longest win streak of that variety in the nation never mind the degree of difficulty in the bowl that they make <laughs> so in number eight and number seven we talk a little college hockey and we talk a little gophers so you know who's a major winner here 
me because we talked college hockey and we talked the Gophers, but we didn't talk one second of college hockey involving the Gophers. Oh, listen to you. Yeah, well, you know what? If they would have won their last game, maybe we would have, but they didn't. Because if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we've all had a Merry Christmas. Hopefully everybody did. We've moved on to the new year, but we're still reflecting on the previous year. We continue during our top 10 of 2023. If I'm doing the math right, up next is six and five. Stick around. We'll be right back. A little Duran Duran as it's Brian Prudhomme with Dave Cook. Cook. Dave Cook is with me here. Happy Saturday, everybody. It is the Northland Sports page. Did you just it skip is... on my name like a digital recorder? I did. Duran Duran. So you're Dave Cook. Cook. Got it. Got Otherwise, it, got you could be Dave Dave. But then it gets weird. We made a Letterman reference earlier. Would it be like Boutros Boutros? And what if we had Hoops was here with us? Absolutely. Maybe four Daves. Although he is not with us this time. He's got the week off. We gave everybody the week off in terms of guests because... We are going through our top 10 stories of 2023, but we would have a lot of weeks off if it wasn't for our great sponsors. Absolutely. Mike Regan at Christensen Group Insurance, Comfort Systems, Kohler Hyundai and Kohler Toyota, Pier B Resort, Stewart Spike Sports and Trophies, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Avenue 45, The Blackwoods Group, including their locations in Two Harbors and in Proctor, Blackwater Downtown, Tavern on the Hill, Up on the Hill, and the, the location on London Road. Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Krause Heating and Cooling, your Carrier HVAC Authorized Dealer, OAR Holdings, Hoops Brewing, and Arola Architecture Studio. Arola Architecture Studio, of course, the OG is Ryan Arola. We're thankful for him each and every year. Feels like he's been with us every year of the show. I I, believe he has. And the Drawing Lines segment is something that he brings us each and every week. We're just going to put him all over this one because we drew lines. We've got your top ten which became our top 10. You've got lines through ones as we moved them around and we, we took stories in and out. This wasn't as easy as hopefully we're making it sound. No, it wasn't. There's so much things, so much things. That's a terrible English. So many things. So many things that happened this year. Um, it, it almost gets to the point where you have to give, you know, certain, certain teams, a certain leagues, just a single name. So you can't say like the Timberwolves beat such and such. It's the Wolves in 2023. Well, and you were trying to because Friday night I was with you and you were giving me live updates bucket by bucket of the Timberwolves-Rockets game. So kudos to you for that, but we're not going to do bucket by bucket analysis here because we don't have that kind of time. We're here with you till noon, but we are going to try to do all-encompassing talk of the Timberwolves within 2023 as they check in at number six. Because again, with these fiscal year type seasons, we can go back to January of 2023 when the Wolves were being... Feet to the fire for anything negative that happened. And 2023, as in how December ended, and this team being one of the best, if not the best, in the Western Conference, that's a different tune. So the Wolves check in at number six. Before we go further with that, real quick, if you're just tuning in, shame on you, where were you? But at number 10, we had Hermantown Hockey and Proctor Hermantown Hockey. So the hockey community that is that area with the Uh, Mirage uh, and the Hawks. Hockey. Yes, community. Yes, the but hockey. I still spell it H O C K. I'm not. I'm not entirely one of them. Got it. But the hockey that is played in the Hermantown and Proctor Hermantown areas with the Mirage and the Hawks making their what seems like an annual state tournament appearance. Now they checked in at number ten, number nine. More Hawks talk, if you will, because Hermantown football and the new, some will say renewed, but I'm going to say new rivalry with the Lute Denfeld made for quite a story towards the end of that season. Speaking of quite a story, number eight. The absolute emergence of a Mayak power in men's hockey as well. Absolutely. That was a great number eight. It's fun to see that. And then number seven, of course, was the day of the our lives. The seven bowls in a row that they've won, and you yep. can flush them all. Yep. The the days of our lives when it comes to Minnesota go for football. But the reason that it made it so high is because, of course, they landed uh, Koi, Perich. Absolutely. So, again, number seven, go for football. The enigmatic nature of P.J. Fleck and his program what Koi Perich will add to it, we will see. And again, the Timberwolves updates, they just never stopped on Friday night. You just you just keep pointing. The, I text. I kept texting them. I know. You. you just keep pointing to all the messages you sent me. He showed me one right now. Yeah, I remember, Dave. That was just last night. <laughs> good times, good times. But good times and bad times kind of define the Timberwolves in 2023 because, yeah. again, there were times where this team had Herschel Walker labels on it for the Rudy Gobert deal. And now I think if you really look at it, the Rudy Gobert deal is is borderline steel for Minnesota. I I won't say fleecing because I don't like when people do that, but this is not a bad deal for the Timberwolves. They told us all, they being the brass of the Minnesota Timberwolves, that they have a plan of how to play with this many bigs 
and they just didn't get a chance to execute it because Carl Anthony Towns, for the better part of last season, was not available. And now this season has been, for the most part, and it has gone very well. Nobody wanted to believe what the Timberwolves brass was telling anyone because why should you? Repu- right. Reputationally, anything. Reputationally, right. this is the worst franchise in Minnesota. One of the worst, arguably, in all of sports. But turning the proverbial corner, because, again, even when we talk about the bad for this team early in 2023, this is still a team that made a playoff appearance again, albeit a brief one. That's better than anybody who's a seasoned Timberwolves fan would have expected in other years, too. Well, and if you think about it, we just got done talking about the Gopher football program and why I haven't given up on P.J. Fleck because it was so bad. Like, Chris Finch is earning that same sort of... yes. the ability to be above average and not get crucified because he's not all of a sudden, you know, Superman, right? right? Because he's had such a morbid franchise that now that he's getting them to where we all hope they'll be, and now we're watching him with bated breath, right? Hoping that this isn't just a mirage. Like if, if he, if Fitch can lead that team of talent to where they could be, goodness gracious, he could be the coach forever. Well, because the interesting piece to me is the fact that brand new fans to this bandwagon are kind of proclaiming Chris Finch to be Zeus, to be the Messiah. And those of us that have been around when times were much, much worse could say, yeah, look at the record. It's phenomenal. But look at the roster. It's much better as well. Oh yeah. Because I still have a difficult time, even though on the wins list, it's Flip and it's Finch. I have a hard time, even though I know it's true now, because you just can't come up with a stat where it isn't. I have a hard time saying those are the two best coaches in Timberwolves history because I still look at Chris Finch as you just got here. But I think for this state and for portions of now a developing fan base, a lot of fans just got here too. Oh, that's why this is at number six. How many times have you in the past year talked to somebody who's not a basketball person and say, come on, seriously, just check it out. Stop and check check it it out. out. Yep. Yep. I'll tell you what, actually earlier this week, because 2024 from a pro sports perspective has gotten off to a bit of a depressing start. The way the Wild and Wolves, and let's just forget about how the Vikings left 2023. The ball drop was the least of their worries. They dropped several. But it had gotten off to a bit of a depressing start. So, in fact, earlier this week, I got a text message from someone who doesn't watch a ton of basketball and said, picked a bad night to start watching the Wolves. And lo and behold, I was actually working basketball at Scholastica that night. So that was all I needed to see. I knew they had lost that evening. But the fact that, again, folks that don't watch it suddenly are. Is it bandwagon? Sure. But you're welcome. welcome to be part of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting what you said. Now, I just wanted to point out that we've talked a number of times about the wild, right? And mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we're probably not going to talk a lot about. It's an tonight. omission this year with um, good reason. Yes. But we've talked about or because how there's no reason. Every coach that they've had has a winning record. Yes. Well, Even the vaunted John Torchetti. And we'll now, see what happens to John Hines. Now there's two. Timberwolves coaches that have winning records. Flip and Finch. And again, that sounds like a pub in Boston. Yeah, it does. But I just have a hard time putting them together. Yet when all is said and done, it may not be that hard because Flip was the only one to put this team in the playoffs on the regular. And he also had a big star in Kevin Garnett. Chris Finch is starting to put this team in the playoffs on the regular. He doesn't just have one. No. He has two, maybe three. Flip had two, maybe three for one season. Yeah, and he's the the other thing that that Finch had that flipped in is is that one. So I shouldn't say he didn't have him. He was a different purpose though for Flip. Finch has Conley, who seems to be able to pull the pieces together. Yes, you know Cassell did that for for Flip, but he also was needed to be one of the big three. Conley's really not one of the big three. He's like the puppet master, you know. Right. The big three is Ant, Cat, and Rudy. Yep. And my mom is going to be upset because I don't understand all those acronyms that you use. Well, the only time that it's actually an acronym is in Cat's case. But you're right. There's a lot of three-letter magic and four for Rudy, but you do have Ant, Cat, and Nas. So here's a discussion that I was asked to have. I mentioned working basketball at Scholastica earlier this week. Here's a discussion that I was asked to have by our good friend Jesse Robinson, who was filling in that night back in his old stomping grounds. They called, here comes the legend as soon as he walks in and A name couldn't be more fitting for a guy like Jesse Robinson. But he immediately came up to me when the games were done. He said, Bri, I know you and Dave had to have at least thought about this. And I said, I think we've had the discussion, but maybe not in detail. Jesse said, I got a coworker who said that this year's Timberwolves team is more talented than the Garnett, Sprewell, Cassell group. Your thoughts. And I kind of froze for a minute. And it sounds preposterous on the surface, 
And then you look at it and you go, well, when you take the roster from top to bottom, maybe, but I just go for proven over potential because I think there's so much potential on this Wolves roster to be incredibly good. But you don't question, can they take step X, Y, or Z? So if you think about it, in my mind, while you're talking, I'm putting them head to head, right? right? So, because Conley is a little bit Cassellish, But Cassell was better than Conley at that point right. versus now. And people will say Ant is better than Spreewell, well, and that's see, probably true. Spree played small forward. Exactly. He? So, he, so if you put Spree where Jaden plays, I'm taking Spreewell, but not one, by much. one plays really well at one end, one yes. plays really well at the other. It's a draw, I think, that end. So... Uh, and the center, I mean, Rudy's going to be better well, than... The center would be why, to me, maybe this year's team wins because Rudy's much better than the Candyman. So are you and I. Yeah. The Garnett... At playing center. Garnett Cat's crazy. See, to me, it's not very close. I, I think that... no, It's a I'm different not, game now, though, I'm, but it's not very I'm close. I'm not saying that that Cat wins. I'm just thinking how the volatility of that little right. <laughs> expose... The, the problem here is Ant. The Peeler's not... He doesn't have a chance. Well, and you got... Like, Ant's going to dominate. You got Zerbiak... You know, in there Same. somewhere, who do you, who do you have that plays that role on this team? Slow mo. I'm taking Wally. Yeah, no, that's, that's but but well, the the biggest thing. Okay. <laughs> but the biggest thing for me is, and this was the discussion that I had. I can see where potentially or pure athleticism, and I'm not talking basketball IQ. I'm talking athletes who happen to play basketball. Maybe you take this year's team, but you question: Do they get to that next level in a number of ways with the Spreewell, Cassell, Garnett team? You don't question that. They'd already done it. Yeah. Proven players versus potential players. It's too early. This is a cop-out answer, but I think it's true. It's too early to have this discussion. Well, The fact that we're even able to entertain it is part of the why the Wolves are at six. Yes. The other part is the professional. Those those three were maturity. Maturity. Now, Chris Conley Richardson said how many times that. we don't have it. Yeah. Conley offers it. Uh, Rudy to a point. Uh, but Conley's at the level of professionalism that those three were at. Right. right? But he's kind of the only one. I think what it reminds me of more so is this type of team would have been cool if the Timberwolves would have had something similar the first year they made the playoffs. Because the first year they made it, they had Marbury, Gugliotta, and Garnett. Baby Garnett. You didn't have a leader in any of those three. Now, Ant is the statistical leader on this year's team, but Mike Conley is the leader. Yes. If you would have had that on some of those other one-and-dones that Flip had— Completely different. I agree with you. And the other, the other, frankly, Timberwolves team that would be fun to throw in here is is Adelman's team. Yes, right. If Adelman, if everybody team would wasn't had, the infirmary, they would have been great. Right. If they would have had a guy like Conley to keep them going, right. In in lieu of all this crap that was going on at that point, they might have been that too. Right. But again, the cool part of this whole thing is earlier in this year of 2023, this team was being crucified for pulling off NBA's version of Herschel Walker, which I didn't agree, and I jumped all over people who tried to put it there. And I said, you're just not ready for this. You're not watching it close enough. Part of it was, I really like Rudy Gobert and that hasn't changed. I was super disappointed, but not, I didn't think it was awful. I thought getting rid of Vanderbilt, I liked Vando. Well, and I think we watched Walker Kessler do great things and said, yep, didn't need him. We Dan Barrero that to death. Yep. But speaking of that, the fact that we had this conversation has been fun because instead of this team now being the one that everybody's really looking forward to following in what could be a tough 2024 in Minnesota pro sports, this seemed to be the franchise that you thought might go and die and nobody would notice. Yeah. Yep. And, and instead it's become what could be the bright shining star. And truthfully, the, the positivity, we're about to leave the positivity for a couple minutes here. Right. We talked about Chris Finch suddenly establishing himself as one of the best coaches in a team's history. And there isn't a lot of history to really surpass for the Vikings and their coaches it's difficult to climb to the top of the coaching mountain because there's been a guy that's been there forever and he will remain there, I believe, forever until somebody comes along and knock on wood or whatever you need to wins a Super Bowl for this franchise. The biggest name in the organization that is the Minnesota it's Vikings true. is Bud Grant. Yep. And we talked about the state tournament to start this top 10 this year. You and I were worried about white knuckling home because of weather and talking about, well, that does it for a long broadcast season and we're tired and all this stuff. And we look at our phones as we're leaving the X and the big news that that day, that third place game, that Saturday was Bud Grant's life had come to an end. And, you know, age wise, it shouldn't shock many, but 
just like you kind of thought his coaching excellence will live forever, I think we thought he would too. Well, it it became to the point where it it was a con, a constant, right? Bud was always there, right? And even when he was you know older and and not really involved, that Bud was always there, right? And and you know he and his buddy Sid Hartman, you know they were always around forever, right? And then one turned a hundred and died, and the other one did the same thing. And to have, we're fortunate enough to have had a, a person like Bud Grant who carried himself the way we wanted, who won, right? Who was a leader of men, uh, and who kind of did it in a way that was unique and very us, right? And to have him around for as long as we did was amazing. And the fact that he passed makes the top ten, Brian. Well, and you look at this show, and people who have listened to it for a while said, "Well, if you love Minnesota, you're going to love this show." If you're somebody who's big on the Wisconsin side of things, you're not. I'll tell you what, if there's one thing that I acknowledge, it's had something to do with Superior Wisconsin. Isn't it Bud Grant? It is Bud Grant. I mean, I got a lot of respect for high school athletics over there, but you go elevate beyond that, it's all about Bud Grant. Yeah. No, and, and, you know, he he was so upper Midwest Minnesotan. Yeah. Like, he is... We when, say one of us for the whole state. I feel like Bud Grant, we almost say one of us for this area. Uh, yeah. And like, yeah, when we say one of us, it kind of is. Yeah. We're Bud not including Grant. the Metro, even though that's where he made all of his namesake, if you will. Right. But it sounds like he liked to spend more time around outstate, shall yes. we say. So. Yes. And the thing with Bud is we talk about how successful people, successful programs become a measuring stick, become the legacy. There's no question that he's going to forever be that for the Vikings because we talked about you know, best coaches. We did a show about it, best coaches in team history. And I think we did it because Finch got so close to flip and we went, really? And so we decided to look at the big four and that's when we discovered that the wild don't have a coach with a losing record with the Vikings. We didn't get to debate that top spot at all. We had fun with Zimmer or Denny, which one do you want? They were second or second ish because there are Bernsey fans out there for good reason. But Denny was the offensive guru that was second. Zimmer was the defensive guru that I still think is third, but some will say was second. Bud did enough of both. Now, his era will be forever known for the Purple People Eaters. They were a defensive team, but offense wasn't lost on Bud Grant either. Yeah, Bud actually, P.J. Fleck needs to pay attention to that because Bud was a defensive coach who found people to run the offense the way he wanted it to. Well, I'll tell you this. I don't know if it would work because P.J.'s personality would do a complete 180, but... Oh, goodness gracious. Could you imagine those two in a room? I was going to say, the thing about Bud Grant is Bud Grant didn't make very many things about Bud Grant at all. No. In fact, we've done a lot more of it since that passing back in March where P.J. Fleck gets accused, you can decide whether it's accurate or not, of, of making himself the spectacle. Bud Grant was kind of in the shadows. I feel like if any coach emulated Bud Grant a little bit, and you may think this is a huge reach, and maybe it is, I kind of thought it was Tom Kelly. Because Tom bit, Kelly yeah. just sat back in the shadows and went, my team did it, that's great. Yep. I might be orchestrating things, but you never know it. Yeah, roll out the roll out the ball for sure and just play, and I'll be here if you need me. So a perfect bump out, the leader of the band, because for the Minnesota Vikings, the leader of the band did pass in 2023, and he checks in at number five on our top ten. But when it comes to Viking coaches, and quite frankly, maybe Minnesota pro sports coaches, there is no five, there's no four, there's no three, there's no two. He's number one. Yep, uh, 100%. What else do you need to say? Not much, and that'll do it for hour number one. We are halfway through our top ten. Hour number two, the top ten of 2023, continues on the Northland Sports page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, stick around. We'll be right back.